going to be having communion. Amen? Amen? So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, sir, for unction, for anointing, for utterance to be given today. I give you praise, Lord God, for all that you've done in the lives of the people in this place. I thank you, Lord, that as I teach and preach this message called Position for Change, Lord, that it will spur us on to, to greater heights and to greater degrees of glory. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, and everyone said amen. amen. So change is a process. Have you found that out? Change is not a one-time event. Uh, the word change literally means to alter, to shift, or to make different. In order for us to change, in order for things to change around us, there first needs to be changes that take place on the inside of us. So change then begins with the renewing of your mind and altering the way that you think to line up with God's Word. Now I realize this and understand that change can be a difficult process. But change is necessary. One of the key components for change is, is the desire to change, the recognition to change, and not be afraid to change. Because you see, change brings into our lives sometimes new territories. It also brings into our lives relationships. And so we must not be afraid of the changes that the Spirit of the Lord is guiding us and leading us into. Can everybody say amen? amen? Know this, that God will never request you to change without giving you the power to change. Amen. Change is not easy, but change is possible. And I've also discovered this, that people oftentimes they love the result of changes... However, they don't always like the process. One wise man said this, that progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. So if you will today, here is a statement that I want to make. As you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. That is this. Change your mind, change your words, and you can change your life. Everyone say that with me. If I will change my mind and change my words, I can see my life changed. Now notice in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, and verse 2 actually, he says, And be not conformed to what? To this world. Philip's translation says about that word conformed, he says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within. The message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So he tells us, don't be conformed. That means to me that there's a danger that if I don't purpose in my heart not to be conformed, I could be conformed. And confirmation to the world has nothing to offer me. Being conformed to this world and to the culture and to the spirit of this age has nothing to offer you. It's absolutely lifeless. It is dead. It is dark. 
And we don't need to have anything to do with the spirit of this age. So be not conformed to this world. But do what? But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love what the Amplified says. Be changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. When you get born again, you get new eyes. You get new ears. And if you'll get into the Word of God, it'll give you a new attitude. It will change you from the inside out. So we could say this. The Lord did something with our spirit in the new birth. But he tells us we must then do something with our bodies and with our minds. Now the word renew or renewed means to renovate. You are sitting in a building that once was a six screen movie theater. It is no longer a movie theater where God's name is used in vain. It is no longer a place where there's idolatry and idol worship. But now this is a place set apart for the goodness of God and for the kingdom of God. But for us to have church in here, there had to be some things ripped out. There had to be some walls that needed to be removed. We could say that this building was completely renovated from the inside out. Come on, somebody. And how many of you know... There are some things that need to come out of your mind. There's some things that need to be ripped out. There's some things that need to be cast down from stuff that we got from the world. One person said it like this. That renovating the mind is about replacing the message of the world with the message of the truth. The spirit of truth always brings truth. The spirit of error always brings lies. So to change then, we must renovate and remove and replace with the Word of God. The New Living Translation says this, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The evidence of a renewed mind is change. And I believe this, that one of the greatest benefits of a renewed mind is you will know the perfect, the good, and the acceptable will of God. You will discover and you will find God's perfect will for your life as you expose yourself and your mind to being renewed by the grace of God and by the Word of God. You see, some people, what they want to do is they want to find the will of God some way else or somehow else. Some people want to have somebody lay hands on them and pray for them and fast for them and tell them what the word, will of God is for their lives. How many of you know knowing the will of God doesn't come that way? The Bible doesn't say that we'd be transformed by prayer or by fasting. Now the word transformed in the ancient Greek is metamorpho. Fill your mouth with that right now. Everyone say metamorpho. What does metamorpho mean? 
Metamorpho describes a metamorphosis. A caterpillar becomes a what? So it's the same word that is used to describe Jesus in his transfiguration. Let's look quickly over at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. Mark the ninth chapter in the second and the third verse. Say this, change me, Lord, by your word and by your spirit. Notice this, after six days, Jesus taketh with them Peter and James and John and leads them into a high mountain apart by themselves. And what was he? He was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. That was the glory of God. So as no fuller on earth can white them. This, we see, is a glorious transformation. This means to change into another form, to transform or to transfigure. Another translation says it this way, And he was transfigured or changed in form before them, and I love this, and began to shine brightly with divine and regal glory. Hallelujah! And as I was working out the other day, and I don't know if it's warm in here, if it's just me, but I feel the power of God in this place today. As I was working out the other day, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and gave me this thought. It is my will, and it has always been my will, for all of my sons to shine. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and in verse 18 from the Amplified Version, it says this. And all of us, say that with me, that's me. And that's you. It says, And all of us with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor. Now notice this. And from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is that Spirit. A preacher said many years ago, what you behold is what you will become. Since that is true, it's very important that we watch out what we're beholding. That we check very carefully that we're not beholding the wrong things. Because what we behold is what we will become. And so the thought here in 2 Corinthians 3 is behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord through the word of God. And as you do so, you become just like Jesus and you go from one level of glory to the next. Hallelujah. Now listen very carefully. The entrance of his word and his presence will put a shine on you. The entrance of his word and being in the presence of God It'll cause you to shine. Whoo, glory to God. It'll cause Jesus to be seen on your face. And you know what? The world needs to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus in you. 
And the world needs to see Jesus on me. Now, it won't happen if we're not beholding the right thing. But if we will live our life as true disciples of the Lord, disciplined followers of Jesus, by letting His Word enter into our heart, and by being faithful men and women of God, praisers of God, people of prayer, people of presence, oh, glory to God, the Lord will shine upon you, and the Lord will shine through you. Isaiah says it like this. He said, Arise and shine, for your light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You are born again to shine. You are not born again to whine. You are not born again to remain the same. You are born again to go from one degree of glory to the next. We are not born for mediocrity. We are born for greatness. Somebody says, Pastor, I'm born for greatness? Absolutely you are. How do you know that? Because simply put, the greater one lives in you. And when the greater one comes to take residence on the inside of you, He is wanting to bring His greatness not only into your life, but He wants you to see His goodness and His greatness in every area of your life. We were not born to sit. We were born to shout. We were not born to come to church and remain the same for 30 and 40 years and then get out of here yet as so by fire. No, we were born to blaze, baby. We were born to be on fire. We were born to shine. We were born to demonstrate Jesus in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights holding forth the word of life. Hallelujah. I like that. Born to shine. Not born to remain. Not born to complain. But born to praise and born to be raised. Amen. Say it with me. I'm born to shine. Because I am a son of the glory of God. You see, I say, prende It has always been the plan from the beginning of time for the captain of your salvation to give his life on your behalf and bring many sons unto glory. I've brought you unto glory. I've raised you up together with me. I've caused you to sit with me. I've made you my heir and my joint heir. Now it's time for you to take your place to walk, to work and to operate by my glory and by my grace and let the world around you see that I am real and that I am alive and well in this place today. Amen. Glory to God. Born to shine. Born to win. That's you. And that's me. I love this verse, and I'll just quote it to you. It says, For God who commanded the line, the, the, the light to shine out of darkness, He has shined in your heart to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we understand then that change begins with the renewing of the mind. We understand that we can know the perfect will of God when we get our mind renewed. 
and that it is the will of God for us to be changed from glory to glory. Now, that's all good to know and that's all good to hear, but let's make it practical. How can that happen? How can that happen? In Philippians, the second chapter, I want us to look at that. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says there, Wherefore, my beloved, so we know he's talking to the people of God, right? He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a very interesting phrase there. It's been understood by theologians. It's been understood by a lot of Christians for many, many years. I believe the Spirit of the Lord will help us to see this. He says, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The first thing I see here is this, is that we're not working for our salvation. We're not working for our salvation. Why? Why is that? Because in Ephesians it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is what? It's the gift of God. And then he goes on to say in Ephesians 2.9, Not of works, lest any man should boast. So you can never be good enough. You could never give enough. You could never love enough. Amen? To earn your salvation. Your salvation was bought and paid for over 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. Jesus was not kidding when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. The work has been done. Hallelujah. He went into Satan's backyard and whooped him real badly and the battle has been won. He spoiled the principalities, the powers. He made a show of them openly. He triumphed over death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. And the Bible says he makes available to us the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's not about being rich. It's not about being poor. It's not about being good looking. It's not about good works. The work has been done. Woo! Glory to God. Aren't you glad? I'm glad that in March of 1975, when I came to the altar to receive Jesus, that the preacher didn't stop and say, Hey, no, you cannot be saved. You're in a treatment center. You've got to get yourself cleaned up before you can come to the altar. No, if you'll come to the altar, He'll clean you up. Hallelujah. If you come to Jesus, He'll deliver you. If you come to Jesus, He will set you free. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got an understanding and a revelation that is the free gift of righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not of works, not of works, not of works. So now notice in this verse, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out... Your own salvation. In other words, you're already saved. Because he says, work out your own salvation. Not work for. And he says, do it with reverence and do it with trembling. Now, when you were born into this world, 
all of you were born with muscles. Now, many of you haven't been doing anything with them. For many, many years. But when I got born in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1950 at St. Mary's Hospital, son of John L. Thomas, son of Francis Ann Thomas, I was born with muscles. And how do you like me now? (laughs) No, 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 no. I didn't work for them. I was born with them. Now that we are born with muscles, we can choose to do something with them or choose to not do anything with them at all. You didn't work for your salvation. You were born again into the kingdom of God. And now that you are in the kingdom of God, and now that you are born of God, God says, I want you to start working out. I want you to do something with what I've placed on the inside of you. We could say it this way. God has given each and every one of us in this auditorium some muscles. Amen? Now we can make the choice to do something with our salvation or we can just sit and be lazy and sluggish and not do anything. God's made us free moral agents. But I'm persuaded of this bunch that you wouldn't be in church at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. You'd, you'd, you'd be somewhere else. I'm persuaded of this bunch that you're ready. Hallelujah to do some spiritual working out. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, work out, would you? Now, now I'm just going to quote this to you for the sake of time because we do have communion today. But one translation says, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. Give your spirit a workout. Give your inner man the privilege of prayer. Prayer is working out your spirit man. The scripture says that when you pray in the spirit... You are building up yourself on your most holy faith. The Bible says that when you pray in the Spirit, you are edifying your spiritual batteries. Do our spiritual batteries need some charging? How much do they need charging? Like every day? Seven days a week? Give your spirit the privilege of prayer. Whether you pray in tongues or not, you can pray in English. You can open up the Word of God and you can literally pray the Word of God. You can open up Psalms 23 every day of your life. And you can give your spirit the privilege of praying Psalms 23. I double-dog dare you to do it regularly. Rise up and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie in green pastures. 
He's restoring my soul. He's leading me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, what is prayer? Prayer is communing with God. Prayer will give your spirit a good workout. Now, I'll tell you what else will work your spirit out. There needs to be some praise up in your home. Hallelujah. Now, we got praise up in here, and we got praise in here. But how many of you know there should be some praise going on in your living room? Amen? We have a two-story house. When I was walking down the steps today, I didn't feel like saying it. But you know what I was saying when I walked down the steps? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. In it. And I had to hold on to the railing. I may have started out like that today, but I'm not going to end up like that today. Because I'm working out. And as I work out, I see other things work out in my life. Friends, there needs to be some prayer in your house. Some prayer in your car. Woo! From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, when you praise Him, your spirit man will get strong. And you'll begin to see things, some things you've never seen before. Depression will just fall off of you. You see, he's given us a garment called praise. And that garment of praise has been given unto us for the spirit of heaviness. Give your heart the privilege of praising God. I mean, if, if you have to go get some Hillsong or Steve Chapman Curtis or, or Planet Shakers or whatever, whoever, Chris Tomlin, whatever you got to do, just do it. Fill your home with music. Fill your home with praise. Get those earbuds on and turn off the funky chicken and turn off the Motown and turn off the heavy metal and put you some gospel on. Put you some gospel on. Amen? You don't need to listen to the world to relax. God's given us the best music in the world for us to relax and for us to be built up. Hallelujah. This is how you work out. This is how you work out. You work out also by making declarations of who you are in Christ. Of what you have in Christ. I am a new creation. I am born of God. I've got world overcoming faith. Faith residing inside of me. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, the more that you declare the word, the more you're owning up to it. And you're saying, that's mine, and this is who I am. And when you do this, it'll change your mind. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you see life. When you see life through the lens of God's word, things get brighter. I'm going to say that again. When you see life through the lens of God's word, life gets brighter and life gets better. If you'll see life through the lens of himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, I'm telling you what, life will get better. Making declarations is giving your spirit a workout. Amen. For example, look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Acts 20 and verse 32. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to what? 
to the word of his grace. Not that guy. Acts 20, 32. You think he's cute? Really? How cute do you think I am? (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Tom just quoted Uncle Bud, Ingrid's dad. One of the things he would say over and over again, and Ingrid says it to us from time to time, we'll see what develops. (laughs) Acts 20 and verse 32. Acts 20 and verse 32. That's okay. I'll read it. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His what? Word of His grace, which is able to do what? To build you up. The you that He's referring to there in Acts 20, 32 is your spirit. Declarations of His Word will build you up. It'll give your spirit man a workout. It is working out your salvation. Working out what's on the inside of you so that it can show up on the outside of you. Work out your own salvation. I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up And to give you an inheritance. Say it with me. It is the will of God for me to shine. All week long, I'm going to do what pastor's been preaching. I'm going to work out. I'm going to work my spiritual muscles out. Through prayer and through praise. And through faith-filled declarations. How many of you know that in order for real change to happen, there's got to be an addition of some things and a subtraction of some things in your life? I think sometimes it's important for us to sit down, pray, and say, Okay, Lord, what do you need to get out of my life? What relationships are relationships that are not benefiting my spiritual growth? Who do you need or what do you, not, what do you need to allow in my life? See, there's got to be this exchange. There's got to be a putting on and a taking off to experience change. For example, when you change a baby's diaper... You take off the old diaper. You clean the baby. And then you put the new diaper on. You do not take a new diaper and put it over the old diaper. Right? You don't do that. That means for a fussy baby. And in Ephesians 4, notice with me in verse 22 through 24, we must put off the old man, how he used to be, 
and put on the new man of who we are now in Christ. Notice with me in verse 22 through 24, would you read with me Ephesians 4? Ready, read. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to its deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed where? Verse 24, read it with me. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now many Christians try to do what we just talked about. Putting the new diaper on the old diaper. They try to keep the old and then put on the new. However, God's order is this. To experience change, we need to get rid of the old. And we need to put on the new. Now, God never says, get rid of the old without giving you the help to get rid of it. Aren't you glad you got a helper? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is your heavenly helper? You know what he can do? He can enable you to get rid of the things that are subtracting the life of God in your life. There's power from on high. There's heaven's help for you to put off the old man and to put on the new man. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Now, in closing, I think. Somebody said, I'm sure hoping so. Listen to this. Being in the right environment is a major contributor for change. I'm going to say it again. Being in the right environment is a major contributor for change. Let's just talk about church for a minute. Is it important... To be in the right church. Is it important to be hearing the truth? And not traditions. Because it's not the traditions of men that set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. And freedom always comes on the wings of truth. Am I right or am I right? Freedom always comes on the wings of truth. So, let let me just break this down just a little bit. If you have been healed by God's power, and you know healing is God's will for you beyond any shadow of a doubt. In other words, you're like Abraham. You're fully persuaded that on Calvary's cross, Jesus not only took your sin but he took your infirmities. If you're fully persuaded of that, then you need to be in a church that reinforces that. And this is not a put down on traditional churches or on churches that don't believe that. But faith doesn't come by having heard. And faith does not come by having received a miracle. Faith for ongoing success in our life, in that area of healing... It's nurtured and it's watered by continually hearing the word of truth concerning your healing. Amen? Now, let me give you another quick example. You know, 
Some people come out of real bad backgrounds and, and because of, of, of some things that they've experienced prior to being born again, maybe it's abuse or maybe it's just a sense of inferiority or a sense of insecurity. You know, and, and they come to a, a church like this or a church that preaches the word somewhere else and they hear life-changing truth that they are not rejected, but they are the accepted in the beloved. And they hear life-changing truths that there's no condemnation now to those that are in Christ Jesus. And they hear the fact that they are now in right standing with God and they're the righteousness of God in Christ. They hear that and it's changed their life forever. And they've experienced that in their life. Listen, to go to a church that doesn't reinforce that is a mistake. To go to a place that preaches condemnation and preaches that you're just unworthy no matter what you do, no matter who you are. To go to a church like that that doesn't reinforce who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus is a mistake. So for us to change and to go on from one degree of glory to the next, how many of you know God's got more than where we're at? There's more understanding. There's more revelation. For us to go up and for us to grow up, we've got to be planted in the right place. Oh, I know I'm preaching good now. I just heard the choir say, Amen. You know what? Bars and clubs are not the place to be if you're trying to stay sober. Right? Bars and clubs are not the place to go. You think you might be witnessing. Listen, don't go to a club to find a mate. That's all I'm going to say about that. The right places, right? The right places. And the right people. You see, having the right people around you will help you to change. I'm talking about your friends and your mentors. I'm talking about people that will pray with you. People that will encourage you. People that will speak faith-filled words over your life. Not people that will bring you down, but people that will build you up. The right environment for change is so vital and it's so important. And here's what the, the closer is. Is we must embrace change rather than resist it. We must not make excuses. Oh, I, I don't think I can do that or it's not time to do that. We need to get rid of all excuses and embrace change rather than resist it. In James, the first chapter, and we'll get ready to receive communion so the brothers can go get that right now if you would, and the sisters. James, the first chapter, and in verse um, 1... 
we see here important truths concerning being receptive and being teachable to what God's got for you. Say it with me. God's got some great things for me in my future. Notice with me in James chapter 1. This is a great, great verse of Scripture. Verse 21. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness or with a teachable spirit the engrafted word, which is what? It has the ability to save your soul. When we're talking about renewing the mind, we're not talking about being born again. We're talking about your soul being saved. Your soul being converted to where you think and you talk and you live like the master. Verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then it goes on to say, For he beholdeth himself in a mirror and goeth his way, but straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But say it with me, verse 25 is me. Raise your hand and say, this is me. This is mine forever. Look at verse 25. But whoso looketh into the law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. What about this man? What about this woman? They will be blessed in their doing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are the one that can help us to change. You are the one that can bring us up and bring us on from greater to greater heights in you. As we position ourselves to change by being not just hearers but doers of your word, we can expect the blessing to be made manifest in our life. Father, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor, that spoke to me.